0: it all along, yeah, what it is is what it is, and tonight in just a few seconds if you can wait because I can't, what it is what what it is, is, is what it is, is, is what it is.
1: is, what it is, what up, what up fight fans, welcome back to episode 243 of the Boxing Rant Podcast, I'm Kenny Keith and I'm joined as always by Vince Cummings, what up Vin?
0: What's going on, brother? We got ourselves an Eastern European heavy episode this week on the boxing rant.
1: Yeah, man. Big light heavyweight unification fight and one of the most anticipated fights of the year. And, um, you know, let's be honest, uh, probably the biggest fight of the year for top ranking ESPN, Um, you know, as they kind of meander into the wilderness looking for opponents for their fighters.
0: Hey, I got my pierogies ready, brother.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. Pierogies. Eh. How about cheesesteaks, man? It's in the city of brotherly love. That's your, that's your town, man. Fly
0: eagles, fly. Yeah, they're they're flying awful high this year. <laughs> oh man, so frustrated watching a team in my life.
1: Yeah, the Eagles uh, Cowboys game this week uh, should be about as exciting as the Redskins Dolphins game was last week.
0: Yeah, it's a game to see who doesn't suck less. <laughs> Oh,
1: man, big fight from the city of brotherly love as Oleksandr Vozdik squares off against Artur Buterbeev as both fighters put their 175-pound crowns on the line. Um, We are in the middle of the week and a couple days uh, uh, past the Oleksandr Usyk debut at heavyweight, but we'll touch on that. Josh Warrington back in action um, and some news and notes to include the uh, top-ranked card that has been announced for December 14th and November 30th. And we'll get to all of that. But thanks for tuning in to the 243rd episode of the Boxing Rant Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Spreaker, Stitcher, the Boxing Rant YouTube channel, Google Play, anywhere that you can find a podcast. We are available. Drop by our website, www.boxingpod.com. That's boxingpod.com. And follow us on Twitter, at Vince Cummings 81 and at Kenny Keith Jr., and be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. It is much appreciated. All right, Vin, let's get right down to it here on Episode 243 of the Boxing Rant Podcast. Alexander Vozdik versus Artur Baterbiev from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, WBC and IBF light heavyweight titles on the line. Uh, Vin, all right, I'll just keep it short and then toss it to you. Bottom line with this fight, Bozdic versus Baterbiev, this is a true coin flip of a fight, 50-50. And, you know, you have to say, even with what is going on um, with Dmitry Bivol and the big fight that's coming up for Sergey Kovalev against Canelo Alvarez, this right here will crown who is the best light heavyweight in the world, don't you think?
0: Yeah, I don't think there's there's any doubt. The winner of this fight will will wear that crown. Now, you know. Kovalev beats Canelo in in grand fashion, then we might have a little bit of a discussion there. But yeah, I'll tell you what the funniest thing about this fight is that for a matchup that is just so fucking mouthwatering on paper, it kind of crept up on everybody. I mean, there wasn't much hype surrounding this fight. It's kind of harder to promote the Eastern European fighter, you can't really get him out in the uh, American media. Because they don't really speak a whole lot of English, so you, the the promotion is kind of not there. You hope that the matchup kind of speaks for itself, and it does amongst every diehard boxing fan. You're 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 not going to find one that isn't just looking forward to to Friday night more than uh, you know. I don't know if there's any fight amongst diehard fans that you could say is uh, more divisive as far as not you know not in a in a in a like a mean divisive way, but who's picking who I mean this thing's split right down the frickin middle man everybody's got their reason to why Vozdik's gonna win everybody's got their reason to why peterterbieev's gonna win it's it's two different styles of fighting it's the the mauling brawling just break you down and submit you style of patterbieev and and Vozdik who's developed into a very very slick light heavyweight boxer a guy that's able to to pivot and turn turn his opponents into punches and, and puts real nice combinations together there's there's a lot of ways this fight can go you know if paturbiev can get in on vozdik and vozdik decides to stay in and trade for whatever reason that would be a very very bad choice on his part if he decides to do that but also he could lure Baturbiev in, spin him and turn him into a shot. We've seen, uh, we've seen Baturbiev dropped uh, multiple times by, by le- much lesser fighters. And if you look at Baturbiev's kind of his box wreck history, you know, yes, he's 14 and oh with 14 knockouts and has done it in brutal fashion. But this is the first time he's stepping into the ring with a boxer that has the, the ring IQ and the skill level of Vosdik. So that's kind of, you know, you're going to see early where this where this fight tilts. And for a guy like Vozdik, he better stay dialed in for all three minutes of all 12 rounds. If he has that slip-up, I'm not sure there isn't a more powerful pound-for-pound pound puncher outside of Beterbiev than maybe Wilder and, and in a way at the moment as far as just scary guys that they put one on your chin and it's lights out. So that, that's what makes this fight outstanding because that, that can happen at any point in time, those that could be boxing and dominating. And then all of a sudden, boom, right on the kisser and, it and, and it, and it changes the, the whole, you know, pace of the fight. So I look, man, I, 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 was hoping to be there on Friday night. There's still a possibility that I may go, uh, if work permits me to, but, um, man, I, I, either way. Uh, I won't be. I will be dialed in to every second of every round. I will not blink during this fight.
1: Yeah, this is going to be a uh, like a really really tense, um, you know, affair between these two. Because I have to imagine just because of you know, let's not like downplay um, the fact that uh, you know Vozdik's power in this as well. Remember what he did oh, to yeah. uh, Adonis Stevenson right so you know there even though he is the you know the the crafter you know craftier and and slicker fighter he brings enough power to this fight that i think you know though there's going to be some kind of feeling out process between these two in the first two or three rounds which i think is going to create a lot of tension because when the you know the bombs start flying in this thing um and you know solid punches are landed this isn't going to be some pity pat stuff you know what i mean i mean when these guys land it's going to be pretty heavy and you know, that's where I think it's gonna be a battle of attrition. I think Teddy Atlas is gonna have Vozdik moving in this fight. Because if he tries to sit there and and, you know, basically have an insight brawling type fight, I don't think Vozdik, you know, can win that fight because he hasn't proven to me that he can fight in close quarters like that in long stretches. And I think he's better off operating in straight lines anyways and using his footwork. I think it's far superior to Buterbiev's. Um you know, Beterbiev's one of these guys that was was, you know, he burst on the scene um you know as an older pro and you know he, he had a extensive amateur background Of you know he was a world champion in the amateurs and they you know they tried to fast track him i mean i remember he had two fights back in 2014 within three months of one another um in canada I, actually i think it was three of them uh the tavoris cloud fight the jeff page fight and the gabe campio fight and those were the three fights where you saw uh, two of them were in um in 2014 one in early 2015 but those were the three fights where you were like okay this is when he's bursting on the scene this is when we're first seeing him on tv right and everybody is like oh my gosh i mean this dude is zangief from street fighter i mean this dude is a beast um but then injuries uh promotional issues um things started to you know come to a crawl uh after 2000 after 2016 he had one fight in 2017 one fight in 2018 and kind of a nondescript fight um, earlier this year in 2019 to get prepared for this, so I think that Vosdik definitely has the advantage coming into this as as being you know I guess ready for this. I think that the intangibles that Buterbeev brings into this fight, um, the fact that he could just go beast mode at any minute, um, I think that that negates any rust or you know lack of um, you know live fire that he's taken from legitimate opponents, um, and I think that that's really the the difference between the two in this fight, if Vosdik stays safe in this fight, I think Vosdik wins it. Um, but there's a part of me that feels like at some point in this fight, whether it's a clean knockout or not, I don't think that that's necessarily uh, Baterbiev's style. At, at At this level, I would be shocked if it was like, well, I, I mean, anything can happen in boxing, but I think it's more of an accumulation type thing. If Vosdik, even if he gets knocked down once, I still think that he's a good enough boxer to come out with the win. Uh, in the end, but he cannot get caught up in this thing, um, trying to exchange hands on the inside with Piterbiev, because it, it, it'll it'll end ugly for him. And I think that um, I think Teddy Atlas has been with Vosdik now long enough to where that they have a rhythm down, a style down, a rapport down, um, and they've kind of developed this style. We saw it in the Adana Stevenson fight. You're going to see a more polished, more refined, um, you know, version of that game plan that we saw from Vosdik in the Adana Stevenson fight doing what he had to do to avoid, um, you know, and, and we knew that, that Stevenson was was definitely in the wash category, and we knew that, you know, coming into that fight with Vozdik, that there was only going to be about six good rounds from Stevenson. That's all he had, and if he didn't catch him by then, it was going to get ugly for him. Um, I'm not so sure about, you know, Baterbiev's, uh, you know, gas tank in this fight. He is 34 years old now, uh, does not have a lot of professional experience. His professional experience you know, over his 14 uh, professional fights so far um, has come over a six-year span. That's not very good. So, you know, there's a lot of these factors that come into this fight. And, I, and the reason why I'm splitting so many hairs here is because I think that these are the little things in a 50-50 fight that are going to make a difference.
0: Yeah, and I think, I, I, you know, you spoke to a little bit of it with, the, with, his, with uh, Paterby of stamina. You know, this is the fight where I think you're going to see his stamina push to another level because he's going to be in the ring with the best fighter he's ever been in the ring with as a professional. You know, you can look back at Peturbiev's amateur career and the guys that he has dropped. I think he dropped Usyk twice and beat Usyk twice. He-, he beat Vozdik in the amateurs. Yeah, he beat Vozdik. He beat Kovalev. He's he's run through pretty much the entire light heavyweight division, you know, as an amateur and and pretty soundly. But this is a different story. You met, You spoke about his... The, the inactivity, you know, 14 fights in six years. It, it, there comes a point when, uh, you know, and, and at being age 34, where it starts to catch up to you a little bit. And he's going to have to stay dialed in himself in this fight. You know, this isn't all just about Vosdik being able to keep Baterbiev on the outside. Baterbiev's going to have to get crafty. He's not just going to be able to rush right down the middle. And if he gets caught by a Vozdik right hand, Trust and believe he will go down. Uh, he, he doesn't have, a, you know, this unbelievable granite chin. Now, most of the times when he gets knocked down, it's more of the flash knockdown type, and he seems to get up and recover really well. But if he doesn't, if he if he isn't able to, I would say if he isn't able to hurt or drop Vosdick in the first three or four rounds, I think as this fight goes on, if Vozdick is able to survive early, get, get some work in, maybe not win all the rounds or maybe win one of the first three or four rounds. I think the second half, you know, rounds five, six is when he starts to take over and his pace kind of starts to get to Baterbyev. But the key for Fosdick in this fight is do not get caught early. Don't get caught cold because if you get caught cold by by Baturbiev and you're trying, you know, you say you get caught in the second round with with two minutes and 20 seconds left. You don't want to have to survive a two-minute and 20-second onslaught from this guy. You got to be smart early, be very cautious, give up some rounds maybe, but you cannot. I mean, the worst fucking thing that could happen to him is to get caught and dropped multiple times early and be fighting an uphill battle because if you got to fight that uphill battle from early, you ain't going to be able to box and be cute on the outside. At some point, you're going to have to go for it. So I think the early, the first three or four rounds in this fight will dictate a lot of what we see uh, it, it, later on in the fight. Uh, this fight is just, you know, it, it's it's so hard to, you can't be a person that's picking this fight. If you're sitting there and you're telling me, oh, it's not even, uh, Vosdik's going to win this fight. He's going to box his ears off. It's going to be a nine to three fight or Baterviev's going to drop him in the second round. It's not even going to be close. If you're saying that, I got to believe you're fanning for one fighter or the other, because most people who have a legitimate take and know the sport of boxing pretty well, they look at this matchup and they go, um, I've, I, I change my mind every fucking day. I don't, I don't know who's going to win. You know, today I'm picking Baturbiev tomorrow. I'm picking Vosdik, but to me, I think in this fight, vosdick will survive the early rounds. He will smart. He will fight the smarter fight. He will find himself in the later rounds having a lot of success, and he may go down at some point, but I also think he will drop Paterbiev in this fight at some point. And I think in the la- latter half, he takes control, and I think he wins on the cards. You know, 7-5 type of fight, no more than 8-4. And I think this is... This is one of them fights where you're probably going to see a split decision if it goes to the cards. And there's also a very good chance for the gambling people out there that you might want to drop a maybe five, ten dollars on the draw at twenty six to one, because that is a very, very good possibility.
1: I agree. I think that there's multiple knockdowns in this fight. Um I, I have a I have a tendency because I've seen Baterbiev get dropped by um, you know, not you know fighters not considered to be much of a threat um in his past you know what i mean so my prediction for this fight is i think that vozdik is going to come out on top i don't know if it goes the distance though because i think peterbiev is going to have to go for it and i think he's going to end up getting caught i i cannot see this thing where the exact opposite of 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 these guys um you know like the things that they do well like I don't see Buterbeev boxing from the outside and winning a decision that way, and, and and so that being said, I just think that if Vosdik, like you said, you know, if he can avoid getting getting dropped or dropped multiple times, if he can get out of the first three or four rounds of this fight, then I think that he'll get in a rhythm, and I think that once he gets in a rhythm, it's going to be tough for Buterbeev to set up any offense. I don't know if it's going to be as dramatic. I don't think it. I think it's way too even, um, you know, of a fight for this thing to look as you know as bad and much disparity and as dominating a boxing performance as we saw with two very similar uh fighters i guess you know going into that alexander usyk murat gassiev fight i think a lot of people thought that that was a 50-50 fight because of gassiev's power but when those two got in the ring with each other i mean usyk made gassiev look really bad um he made him look really really bad and i think baturbiev's pedigree doesn't allow that that kind of thing to happen, which is why I think this thing is neck and neck till the end. But I just have this feeling, though, that Gvozdik might end up stopping Baterbiev because of him being tired. Um, and this thing just ends up, you know, maybe like an 11th round TKO. But I would not if, I, if I'm a betting man, I'm with you. I, I would definitely put a 10 spot on the draw. Um, and more than likely think that, that Bozik walks away with a split decision in this
0: one for sure. Yeah. The difference between like a guy like Gassiev getting completely outboxed by Usyk is Gassiev's a He's a plotting fighter, but Terbiev is, you know, he, he puts it, he gets in a three point stance and he comes at you fucking guns blazing. There is no plotting in. He is coming right for you. So, you know, that, I don't think there's any way we see a disparity of, well, the boxer beat the, beat the, the mauler. It's not going to look like that. This is going to be tough, nasty fucking work that's going to have to be done. And, you know, Wozniak's going to have to deal with some inside, inside pressure. He's going to have to survive those moments. But like I said, the key, when it happens, will be pivoting and turning Wozniak. Don't stand in front of him. Turn. Pivot make, make Paterbiev spin into one of your shots, create that space to land a right hand. Uh, I, I, I'll tell you what, man, I, I, you know, this fight was off the radar and and I knew in the back of my mind, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And as, as this fight week has, has gotten, you know, to word Wednesday. Now you can see everybody kind of, everybody's mouth is just starting to water for this fight. By the time that bell rings, by the time you hear, what in my opinion is the best national anthem of all national anthem anthems, the Russian national anthem.
1: You're a Russian asset. Then
0: <laughs>
1: and, Deep State Russian asset.
0: And that Ukrainian national anthem anthem, which isn't bad itself, uh boy. I I you know, I'm gonna be jumping out of my fucking chair before the opening bell even rings.
1: Dude, I'll never forget and I, I, I completely concur about about the level of excitement in this thing um, you know, the build up to this thing and, and you know, being only a couple of days away now. But uh it just reminded me when you brought up about the Russian national anthem. I've told this story on here before, and maybe I was the only one in the the arena that felt this way when it was happening. But when when you and I went up to New York t- to the Turning Stone Casino, when we went to um the Lucas Matisse Ruzlan Provodnikov fight mm-hmm. and that was the split HBO um Uh, It was Terrence Crawford was fighting against Thomas Delorme and the co feature to that fight, remember? And they had the fight on the big screen while Provodnikov and Matisse were ring walking. And so when they got to the ring and they played the Russian national anthem, as soon as it started, it was the sixth round of Terrence Crawford versus Delorme. So there was no sound coming from the fight, but the Russian national anthem is loud as shit inside the arena and Terence Crawford goes to work on Delorme. It felt like the epic ending of some like like war movie. You know what I'm saying? Dude, it was fucking awesome. And and then like what a way to lead into a fight of the year candidate from Matisse and Provodnikov too. That was a good memory.
0: It was a damn good. And and ever since I was uh 4 years old and saw Rocky IV in the movie theater and and saw the epic national anthem where you see Dolph Lundgren's face being raised up on that large banner and you're like God, dude I'll just never forget it. ever since that day I'm like this is the baddest fucking national anthem ever
1: now they're definitely going to think we're Trump supporters because of our, our our admiration for Russia
0: uh yeah Ken I mean I, you know they're white we're white Ukrainian Russian doesn't <laughs> fucking matter it's all no, the same right it's all the same man yeah
1: Anyways, um, from politics to uh, back to boxing, um, you know, real quick before we leave this to speak to your point about how this thing kind of snuck up on us. I think it just had, bottom line is you had Spence versus Porter. You had Triple G and then you had Alexander Usyk. So you had so much star power in yep. front of this thing. You know what I mean? And everybody's emotions and fanboying and everybody was so involved. I mean, the conversation, Twitter boxing got as loud as I've ever heard it in my entire life over the last 3 weeks would you agree or not
0: yes the, the the it's it's the welterweight and middleweight division and the fighters that are in those divisions and how polarizing they are it's just the
1: well, and then f- you bring Usyk in the heavyweight division it's it's right. it's a
0: perfect storm yeah you had fanboys out in full force for the last 3 weeks on twitter and it's been rather fucking annoying i got to tell you
1: and meanwhile we've had in the in the last 3 weeks We've had two fight of the year candidates and now we have this. So ever everybody should just shut up, pull your D's out, and start wanking.
0: Okay. Yeah, there's nothing to complain about as a boxing fan over the last month, and it's and it's gonna get just even better as the year comes to a close. So you ain't gonna hear much complaining, and I'm the king of fucking complaining about boxing.
1: <laughs> Boxing's resident cynic, Vince Cummings. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So Vosdik versus Baterbiev uh, ESPN um, this coming weekend uh, to unify the light heavyweight division. Don't miss it. All right. Uh, we got the post fight from this past weekend. Then in Chicago, it was the heavyweight debut of Alexander Usyk as he took on late replacement Chaz Witherspoon and Dmitry Bival defended his version of the light heavyweight championship against Lennon Castillo. All right, let's get to the main event here on Zone. then. Alexander um, Usyk uh, coming off of an epic, um, you know, legendary run, a uh, very short run. It happened uh, in, the, in the blink of an eye, but one that will be talked about um, forever in the annals of boxing that Alexander uh, Usyk put himself uh, firmly, um, you know, probably at, at, at 1B behind 1A. Um, and, and Evander Holyfield as the greatest cruiserweight of all time makes his debut. So, as you hear my lead-in uh, regarding Alexander Usyk's legacy at cruiserweight, that is what the build-up and the argument and the fever pitch that the conversation surrounding his debut at heavyweight—that's what it was all rooted in. Is this just unknown expectation of what to expect from? Alexander Usyk at heavyweight and to get not that Tyrone Spong was going to be this great measuring stick for his first fight at heavyweight. Um, we, I think Carlos DeCam was the fight that you and I had tickets to go to here in DC. Um, you know, that would have been the, uh, the ultimate measuring stick and one hell of a fight to kick off your career, um, in the heavyweight division. But, you know, then Spong and then he, he pops hot and you wind up with Chaz Witherspoon. So, it's really hard to gauge that measuring stick, but in some ways it, it created more buzz and argument um, and just hot take after hot take about what lay ahead for Oleksandr Usyk um, as he enters the realm of the big boys. what do you think about his performance?
0: Uh, you know, look it. I'll, I'll say this about the performance. It didn't show me anything else that I didn't already know about Oleksandr Usyk, you know, sorry for the people that, you know, are uneducated on the man and, they didn't watch the WBSS because it wasn't broadcast in this country. You know, this excuse that boxing fans make like, well, he's not, you know, he wasn't available for me to consume. If you are a boxing fan and you don't know who Alexander Usyk, the unanimous 2018 fighter of the year is, stop calling yourself a boxing fan. You watch boxing. You're not a boxing fan. You know, it, I I find a lot of the stuff that surrounded the fight, even even still afterwards and going into it, was the statement of people saying, "We I have to see what Alexander Usyk looks like at heavyweight before I say he's he's a good enough fighter to compete with the top of the heavyweight division." First off, the top of the heavyweight division is overrated and has been for years. Okay, that's why we're. These fights are delayed amongst the 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 best in the division. I there is like what weight do what weight do you think he came into cruiserweight like he made uh, he weighed one hundred and ninety nine point eight pounds at weigh-ins. What do you think he weighed in the ring? About two fifteen. What do you what did he weigh at the weigh-in before this fight? Two fifteen. We're seeing Alexander Usyk fighting at basically the same size he fought at in the ring as a cruiserweight. So the movement and the boxing ability and all that, none of that is going anywhere. He's still young enough. He's still got enough of his prime left that he's got three years of being a supreme athlete as compared to any of the other heavyweights. The only question to be answered for Alexander Usyk as a heavyweight is, can he take it on the chin from a large six foot six, you know, 240 pound Anthony Joshua? Can he take a big right hand from Deontay Wilder? Probably not. Nobody can, but that to me, that's the only question. There is no question of whether his boxing ability is good enough to compete with these guys. Okay. Uh, you know, if Andy Ruiz can beat Anthony Joshua, uh, I'm pretty sure Alexander Usyk can compete with all of these guys. These guys are, you know, they've, God bless the heavyweight division for being back and having you want to talk about hype in boxing. There's hype behind Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, and Anthony Joshua. They're all have massive flaws, but they but the build up and the hype of the heavyweight division has gotten them to the point where they are now the big boys in boxing. They're making the big checks. Besides Canelo Alvarez, these guys are cashing bigger checks than anybody right now in the sport. And and that that's you know, that's where, where everybody kind of gets fooled in this situation into believing that Usyk can't compete with these guys. There's, there's not a, there's no one aspect of ring IQ, uh, footwork, hand speed. He owns all of that against all of these guys. Maybe Andy Ruiz hand speed can, can match him, um, Tyson Fury's footwork is not as good. He's slower on his feet than Usyk. He can't fucking pivot and spin and, and do the things that Usyk can do in that Ukrainian uh you know boxing style that's become prevalent in the sport and you see it from him and Povetkin and, and Loma all the fucking time. There's there's no question in my mind that this guy can compete with the best. I just need to see if he can take one on the chin. Period. So this fight showed me that Alexander Usyk is still Alexander Usyk, one of the five best fighters in the world, and if you don't put him there, I have to seriously question: uh, Do you know what what, what boxing is, do you, or, or do you just have some type of agenda? Because if you don't, you do. You know, if you don't respect him as being that top five or six pound for pound fighter, you know, I, I really don't care to hear your opinion on him.
1: Yeah, I mean, look. The bottom line with Usyk is is his style, and we've said this from the very beginning. If if you're going to have a problem watching a guy get warmed up in the ring, then don't watch Usyk, or tune in in the fourth round, right? Because once he gets going, he starts off as a you know a little tiny snowball at the top of the hill, you know, and by the time the fight gets to the to the to the fifth or sixth round. His opponent is running away from a gigantic boulder-sized snowball, right? I mean, that's what he does. And it takes him—he is very calculated in figuring out his opponents. Another thing to understand about this guy, if you watched his, his run through the cruiserweight division, not only is that the, you know, the sort of pace that he fights at, but the, the better the competition, the better he is. You know what I mean? The more of offensive he is, the more he puts punches together, the more he makes a statement and takes control of the fight. Um, this fight was what it was. I mean, if there's one thing that I'm sitting here watching Usyk in the first couple rounds of this fight is is his footwork and his, his quickness and athleticism. There's nobody in the heavyweight division. You cannot compare Deontay Wilder's right hand, how fast that is, and how explosive that is to Alexander Usyk's legs. They're two different things, right? When you look at what Usyk does best, and that is boxing, okay? Right now, even after just this fight with Chaz Witherspoon, there is no doubt about it. He is the best boxer in the heavyweight division. His athleticism, okay, is far in a way better than anybody's in the division. If he starts spinning and moving around a Deontay Wilder, it's going to make Wilder look really uncoordinated. I mean, we saw how uncoordinated Wilder looked in a lot of his fights. Hey, fights that ended with explosive KOs. The fight against Tyson Fury. He was getting spun around. Had he not dropped Tyson Fury in that fight, uh, Fury wins that thing going away. He got flat out classed in the boxing department. But like you said, the one thing that Deontay Wilder can do, right? And this has been what makes Wilder one of my favorite fighters, I know it's going to make some people's narratives cringe to hear me say that for the millionth fucking time on this show, one of my favorite fighters, Deontay Wilder, right, is he may have one of the greatest sledgehammers in the history of the sport. There, There's one thing that Deontay Wilder can do better than anybody alive today. He can end a fight in a snap of a finger. It's like one guy who, you know, I don't know what kind of argument he was trying to make. I think he was being a smart ass and you know, whatever. But his his comment wasn't untrue in what he said on my timeline. He said, son, he can't handle Wilder. Wilder Wilder got that Thanos snap. You know what I mean? And and it's true. I mean, that's the great, a great description of what Deontay Wilder can do. But the one thing that can negate power um is athleticism and footwork and his boxing ability. Dude, stop with the Tyson Fury boxing ability. When you, when Tyson Fury is fighting slow, uncoordinated heavyweights, he's going to look like a slick boxer, but let's be honest, man. Tyson Fury is never in shape. He always looks slow. Okay. This isn't Vladimir Klitschko who was a 40 year old, slow plodding, stiff legged fighter that like rumbles around the ring. You know what I mean? This isn't, you know, Deontay Wilder, like, stiff-legged and a little wobbly in the knees like it, it's it's just different that's all I'm saying it's not about hype it's not about hyperbole it's not that I just think that when you talk about the the right hand of Deontay Wilder and what a game changer that is in the heavyweight division it is my belief it's just an opinion that's all it is you may or may not disagree the athleticism and footwork and the ability to put punches together in succession Um Alexander Usyk's the best at it right now. Now, yes, do I want to see him go straight to Joshua right now? No, I I, I don't think that that's the play. Personally, I think you do, um, you know, you go after a Takam or you go after a Joseph Parker or, like, you know, a guy that has fought in championship fights, that has fought against the best, and kind of gauge yourself and get in there and just, like, work on some stuff and get hit a little bit more, you know what I mean? And, you know, but at the same time, these guys that are managed by Igus Clemens, he don't fuck around, man. I mean, the bottom line is, is that if that if Joshua there, because he'll become if Joshua beats Ruiz or Ruiz beats Joshua because of what Alexander um, Usyk was able to do with the cruiserweight division, he's established himself as the mandatory for the WBO heavyweight title. He said he'd take a fight with Deontay Wilder next if Wilder will take the fight. Um, you know, we know that's not going to happen because he's supposed to fight Tyson Fury in February. But the bottom line is, is that I think that he can rise to the occasion. And I know it sounds crazy especially in the heavyweight division everybody's so dangerous right but you hit the nail on the head in the open of 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 your conversation here then as it pertains to the heavyweight division as a whole all of these guys are extremely flawed and we haven't seen usick's flaw yet and in my opinion the only thing keeping him from becoming the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world would be the exposing of a chin flaw and if that is exposed and he is dropped well, that's boxing. But until I see that, in my opinion, I think he's the most talented heavyweight in the world. Period.
0: Yeah, you know, if you're going to speak on just boxing ability, I don't I don't think there's an argument there. Uh, you know, you can try to find one and I may entertain it for about 5 seconds and then I'm going to move on cuz there's just I I don't see it. And I'm not I don't see it from any up and coming heavyweight. So, you know, the the thing with Usyk is like you spoke on where where does he go from here? is it he is the wbo mandatory the chances are that if andy ruiz beats anthony joshua you will see that wbo belt probably vacated not because andy ruiz doesn't want to fight Usyk, but because he's a pbc fighter the mandatory is going to be announced pretty quickly it's going to be a you know neither one of those guys even if joshua wins they might not want the quick turnaround to, to fight Alexander Usyk after that fight. That's a tough ask. So there's a good chance you see the belt vacated and there's a good chance you see Alexander Usyk versus a guy like Joseph Parker, who had the WBO belt before he lost it to Anthony Joshua in a fight for a vacant belt. You know, some people say, well, you know, it's a fight for a vacant belt. That's, that doesn't really, you know, I, I can't really count that. Okay. Well, you know, if you want to go down that road and you don't want to count vacant belts, which, you know, there's plenty of them won across the sport of boxing, but let's just look at it like this to keep it in perspective, okay? Bermain Stavern beat Chris Areola for a vacant WBC belt that then Deontay Wilder took from Berman Stavern. So that's one vacant belt right there. All the other belts were won by Tyson Fury, and then he had his, his incident, we'll say, and what happened? All the belts were vacated.
1: And you got Charles Martin versus Glasgow. Right.
0: So, you know, if you want to have that type of conversation here, then we might as well just cancel the sport of boxing altogether because all these guys have fucking won vacant. Most of them have won vacant fucking belts. That's just how it is. You got a fight coming up right now in a, in a couple weeks between Joette Gonzalez and Shakur Stevenson fighting for oscar valdez's vacated belt we're not going to call the guy the champion it's not their fucking fight uh fault the guy dropped the fucking belt okay i'm sure they would have liked to have got a hold of oscar valdez but uh so be it it happened how it happened now they're fighting each of two legit fighters fighting for a vacant belt you know that is the type of conversation that i've heard that i've been involved with that kind of surrounds Usyk and it to it gets to a point to me where i'm like look man you know you guys you you can try to discredit you can dismiss you can say you don't believe in the hype or whatever you want to fucking say if you don't appreciate what alexander usyk has provided you as a fight fan over the last 2 years and stepping up to the heavyweight division having one easy fight and then saying i'm ready for a crack at a at a belt. Evander Holyfield fought five or six times before he fought for a heavyweight championship. Now, granted, uh, all of those fights were, you know, there weren't any pushovers in the bunch. And maybe maybe his first one up uh against uh Burbick an aging Trevor Burbick, you could say that possibly. But they were not easy fights, none of them. But to to jump right or want to jump right into a heavyweight championship fight. I applaud it. He may fucking get knocked out. So be it. At least a guy challenged himself. And at least the guy has given me, you know, some of the m- more entertaining performances of the last two years. So don't, don't, you know, you don't have to like Alexander Usyk. You don't have to be a fan of Alexander Usyk, but appreciate how good the fucking guy is. Stop trying to find stupid fucking ways to deny it. Because whatever dumbass reason you, you come to a conclusion with, it's just that conversation and that narrative became like, you know, I, I, I'd say I get frustrated. I get frustrated, not because I'm a fan of the guy. I get frustrated with the stupidity of boxing fans sometimes. And especially when you, when it, when it gets going on Twitter, it's like, you know what I want, I want to go back and where is my DeLorean? I want to go back in time. And delete that fucking tweet because I don't want to talk to these idiots, and I don't feel like explaining myself to people who can't interpret what they're reading. They have their own narrative that they want to push. Okay, it's this is nothing like stop bringing race into it. Nobody's bringing race into it. If I point out the guy's white, that's because he's white. It's not his skin is white. I don't. I'm not saying I like or dislike or I feel one way or the other about him because of that it has nothing to do with it absolutely zero just appreciate good fighters when you get them period and, and you know the the conversation would be a lot less annoying surrounding the guy
1: yeah there's uh it it it's gotten obnoxious so i mean let's just say it, it does go the route of you know these these belts getting you know split up and there's a vacant belt and let's just say that he fights against um you know joseph parker for the vacant wbo title that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. It's not like he'd be fighting some rant like, uh, you know, like, you know, like, like Novetki Niskanen from Norway. You know what I mean? Like, dude, here's the bottom line: Andy Ruiz right now has three of the four belts. He just beat Anthony Joshua, who a lot of people, um, considered to be the undisputed heavyweight champion. Okay, um, so Andy Ruiz now is the heavyweight champion, right? Well, let's remember that. Joseph Parker and Andy Ruiz fought for a vacant WBO heavyweight title, and Joseph Parker beat the current heavyweight champion of the world for that belt. So it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if your second fight in the heavyweight division is for a vacant belt against a former heavyweight champion that beat the current heavyweight champion. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's a, it's a mute argument. If people want to try to argue that they're, they're absolutely have lost the plot. If people want to talk about that, Usyk's a hype job and, and, and completely dismiss what he just did in the cruiserweight division, right. To become the undisputed champion, to unify all the belts, 2018 fighter of the year um, booked himself a one-way ticket into the hall of fame, put himself up in the, you know, hang his jersey in the rafters next to Vander Holyfield's name, you're just gonna dismiss all of that? Because he debuted at heavyweight against Chaz Witherspoon? You know what I mean? I bet you Chaz Witherspoon beats the first fifteen fighters on Deontay Wilder's resume. Probably. Probably. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. So 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 there's that. So that's a it's just total it's just total trash. You know what I mean? That entire uh, you know, outlook and you know the bottom line is is that the guy has for some people if you need if the jury's out and you need to see what he can do at heavyweight then that's fine. But don't go around dismissing the guy whose career I mean it's like it, you know it w- is 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 somewhat already defined. He could have just retired and went to the Hall of Fame, right? Instead he's going to challenge himself and move up to heavyweight and wants to go directly for a heavyweight belt. Get out of here. You know, I mean, it's like this it's like this argument that's going on on Twitter right now about who has the best resume in boxing. There's an actual contingency of of fight fans out there that think that Canelo Alvarez's resume is better than Manny Pacquiao's, it's it's outrageous to me that that's even a, an argument. I mean, you could take Manny Pacquiao's resume, you could split it into three separate resumes, and all three of his resumes would still be better than Canelo's.
0: <laughs> you ain't going get no argument from me, dude. <laughs> you know what I mean?
1: I mean, dude, when Manny Pacquiao was in his twenties, right? He wasn't going around picking fights with senior citizens. Okay? When Manny Pacquiao was rising from let's just say featherweight up to welterweight, he was fighting the best available fighters in front of him and just along the way, let's let's just have uh you know, let's have two trilogies against against Hall of Famers, let's have four fights against another Hall of Famer and two against another. I mean, give me a break, man. Uh, you know, it's it's that kind of thing that goes on in boxing. It does not matter how illogical the conversation is. It's just like in politics. It's just like in life in the information war era that we live in right now. If something is repeated enough times, then it doesn't matter if it's factual anymore because it gets ingrained in somebody's brain. And that's with everything right now in the modern era. You know, if you genuinely believe that Canelo Alvarez's resume, which I, clean, I clearly stated to the public, I'm on record on this podcast and on my social media feeds, okay? Has the second best resume in boxing. <laughs> okay? I mean, there you have it, folks. But it's not in the same conversation. You, you, people need to stop dismissing the fact that Manny Pacquiao still fights. All right? Manny Pacquiao just had one of the biggest wins in the history of the welterweight division over Keith Thurman. When was the last time a former welterweight champion a a a champion of multiple divisions at 40 years old knocks off an undefeated welterweight champion who was 10 years younger than him wow. when did that ever happen in boxing history it didn't. so let's let, let's stop putting manny pacquiao on the shelf and i'm sorry i'm on his tangent here but i think it's all related it's all the same noise it's all the same conversation the guy's still alive folks and not only is he is he is he still alive. He's a welterweight champion. Not only that, but he's listed on, on on ESPN's welterweight rankings. Second, behind Errol Spence and ahead of Terrence Crawford. You know why? Because he just beat Keith Thurman. That's why. And be, you know why Errol Spence is ahead of, of Manny Pacquiao? Because of the, I think, the acceptance that Manny Pacquiao is not willing to fight Errol Spence. That's the only difference between the two right now. But when we're talking about today and we're talking about the past... It's just same thing with Alexander Usyk's resume. Don't dismiss his legacy that has been career defining for him at another weight because he's doing something new now that you're skeptical of.
0: Yeah, look, I'll I'll even I'll take it a step further and I'll this will just piss people off even more. So why the hell not? I I'll, I'll even take it to the to the Triple G level when it comes to that type of discussion. Okay? It's almost like like you could equate Triple G's career to like he's been like the the king lion of the biggest pride in the in the fucking african jungle right and now or the 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 whatever fucking africa okay wherever lions fucking live um and you could just say look we missed that time you know where he fucking dominated and yeah he beat every other male lion that tried to come take his fucking pride from him and now that we're seeing you know a scarred you know aging beaten fighter Kind of, he, he he steps up to the plate every fucking time, and now these guys are starting to get to him a little bit, and you see that this reign is coming to an end. So at thirty-seven years old, we're going to call the guy a bum, and he beat a bunch. He's a bum beater, and he and he should be. You know, I don't, his he doesn't even have a Hall of Fame career in my eyes because of what I see as some stupid narrative that just doesn't it. it People have to get off of that shit, man. And and I know what everybody's thinking right now. Well, you guys are defending all the white fighters. I don't hear you defending any black fighters like this.
1: Well, we're not talking about that. We're talking about Usyk and Pacquiao and Triple G.
0: It's like, all right, you you know, guys, how about this? Black fighters dominate the sport of boxing. They have dominated the sport of boxing for decades upon decades. They are normally... Always the class of the sport is the black American fighter, period. Their their athleticism, their pedigree, their boxing skills have always been better than the rest of the world's. It's just that now we're starting to see a slight shift. That doesn't mean that the black American fighter isn't just as good. It's just that the rest of the world has kind of caught up just like it happens in every other fucking sport in the world. You know, you, 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 see it happen in soccer. You see it happen in fucking in, uh, in basketball in in international basketball. It just happens. Okay. And if there's a hype job, if I see a hype job or a fighter, I consider to be a hype job. I don't look at his fucking color of his skin first and and let that determine whether I'm going to call him a hype job or not. Well, oh, I, I mean, not to interrupt you, but but
1: go back to like, like, listen to archived episodes of this show three, three four years ago when you and I called Lee Selby a hype job. Yes. OK, I mean, it, it goes across the board. It doesn't matter. It it, it it you you deal with what's in front of you and who's fighting in the era that you're speaking of when you're talking about it.
0: We're just always talking about white fighters, Ken.
1: No, no. The bottom line is, is we're talking about great fighters. It doesn't matter who it is. Exactly. Um, you know what I mean? It just so happens that right now there is an ongoing conversation about what's happening currently in the sport, right? And what's happening now is that Oleksandr Usyk just fought, Triple G just fought, Manny Pacquiao is Manny Pacquiao, and there's never a bad time to talk about the Pac-Man, old Senator Pac, you know what I'm saying? So it's just the conversation of today. Um, and just like the stupid, idiotic conversation that's happening out in social media right now, that is just like people are grasping for straws, trying to discredit people, man. It's like a reflection of what's going on in the bigger picture of the world. It's like it's like everybody just stop trying to drag everybody down and have your social media personality, like your persona. You know what I mean? It's like it's like, dude, do, do you and I are our Twitter handles like, you know, Boxing Junkie 1894? And fucking King Boxing O Eleven Nine with with some generic avatar? No. Like, you get what you get, man. My name is Kenny Keith. Your name is Vince Cummings. This is us. This is our opinion. You know what I mean? So deal with it. Like
0: it, You it, don't like that There's buttons on there that you can hit that would, you don't have to hear it anymore. And there's plenty of them out there that do it. I know there is.
1: Yeah, but it's just gotten to the point now, man. People know. You know, hey, Vin, we're famous now, you know, so like people are attacking us because we're famous. That's what it is, Vin.
0: Boxing podcast famous. Boy, I got to tell you, what a fucking life. I don't know about famous, man. You know? (laughs) No, it's fucking, you couldn't be any further from it.
1: That's right, buddy. That's right. I'm famous in my house. My my two-year-old son thinks I'm famous. That's all that matters. That's right. At the end of the day, that is all that matters. Um, real quick, because speaking of my two-year-old son, uh, my wife's getting ready to leave for work, so let's wrap this thing up. Um, Josh Warrington, 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 like, oh, Hicks and Picks, it's not Josh Warrington, okay? He's not a country singer, old Josh Warrington. Josh Warrington against Soflon Takuch, I think his name was. Here's what I got to say about this. It never fails when you get a, uh, a guy who has fought his entire career pretty much um, in the United Kingdom and, and Josh Warrington coming off of, you know, a career defining fight against Carl Frampton, um, where the hyperbole just runs wild with the announcing talking about how this fight with this fight with the Cooch, This had 12 rounds all over it. Then this had 12 rounds all over it. And what Warrington was able to do was completely take our expectations and flush them down the toilet. He's greater than we thought. this is no knock against Warrington. I think he's the class of the featherweight division right now. I mean, Gary Russell's still on vacation, right? So Warrington's out there doing it. He's strong. He's sturdy. He's nasty. He's vicious. I love his attitude. He's the real deal. Okay. Let me tell you about the for anybody that did not watch this fight to is a combination of Sam Solomon and Willie Nelson. And I ain't talking about the redheaded stranger. Okay. As uncoordinated stiff legged a stiff breeze would blow him over because he 's never on balance this guy didn't i don 't care what his ranking was. this guy was bottom of the barrel scraping and, and it's fine warrington he he's he's a champion dude he can he can take an easy fight after the little stretch that he's had right I mean, why not just have a you know look at me fight? where you can go out there, showcase, like, I'm the champion, I beat Carl Frampton, I'm going to knock this guy out and give you all warm and fuzzies in your groins, like, that's that's okay. Like, that's cool. You can even promote it that way. Not in the UK, though. Nope. Nope, can't do that. Got to make Sol- Slofon Takuch, uh, you know, some guy that was going to put Warrington to his stiffest test. The only thing stiff about Takuch was his knees, okay? <laughs> so, you know. And I know people are going to be like, Ken, you're hating on Warrington. Okay, well, then I I would implore you to rewind two minutes and listen to it again. Okay, it's the hype machine. It's the noise. Stop it. The guy he fought wasn't good. He looked so uncoordinated, man. He's the guy that would get picked last on on the schoolyard. You know what I mean? To play soccer or basketball. You know, you'd be the guy standing over there that people would go, I don't want him. You want him? No, I'll take that girl over there, though. I mean, give me a break. Anyways, Warrington was vicious in this fight. He did what he should have done, man. I mean, after about ten seconds into the fight, I was like, dude, if he don't end this thing early, man, then that is an indictment on Warrington. That's all there is to it.
0: I, I can't add anything more to that. Other beyond you using the word stiff and cooch in the same sentence. I, you know, that, that, that's that's <laughs> that's all we need to hear. I'm fucking laughing the whole. I was doing my best not to laugh into the mic. He's said it twice. That nah, stiff Kikooch. <laughs> <laughs> uh.
1: Sometimes it just works out that way, man. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Um, all right, news and notes, and let's get out of here. So it's official. We've already talked about this. Terrence Crawford versus Agidius Um I see Top Rank has gone the clever PR route so people don't get confused when they try to read the fight poster. They've just eliminated the guy's name, and it's Terrence Crawford versus Mean Machine. <laughs> <laughs> but I saw the fight poster. I almost peed myself. I was like, yeah, that's just gonna throw people off. Kavalowskis doesn't look good up there. Mean machine it is.
0: Yeah, I mean, we already don't know who the guy's fuck who the guy most of the people don't know who the guy is. Let's not have him struggle with the fucking last name.
1: Yeah, and you know, bottom line with this one is it's a showcase fight for Crawford. Top rank doesn't have opponents for Crawford. Um, Kavalowskis is a guy that most people had on their top ten prospect. List when he burst on the scene here in the United States. And he just hasn't lived up to it against mediocre competition. So they're just throwing him to the wolves here. It would have been nicer for Terrence Crawford if Velasquez had lived up to the hype. But uh, the bottom line is mean machine still sounds mean. So we'll sure. go with, we'll go with that.
0: <laughs> I, I do. I will say this. I don't think this fight is quite as easy as everybody makes it out to be. You know, Kavalaskis was a guy that was fucking mauling and destroying people on his way up against all the journeymen of the world at 147 pounds. And as soon as he got to the top of the division, he turned into a boxer and it hasn't really worked out that well for him. He probably should have lost his last fight, but he is still a technician to a certain extent that you're not just going to come in and just blast the guy out of there because he doesn't belong in the ring. He's got pedigree. He's a, he's a decent fighter. Uh, This is not the fight anybody wants to see Terrence Crawford in. It is a mandatory, but I don't think it's really going to be as easy as everybody thinks. And then unfortunately for Terrence Crawford, this is a lose lose fight as he continues to wait out the other side of the street, wanting to cross the walking signals been flashing for a while. Nobody wants to come across Ken. So, you know, it is what it is. People will, people will push further push Terence Crawford has beaten nobody at 147. He doesn't deserve to fight the best narrative uh, after this fight. And I think it, it may it may even end up getting worse for Crawford because Kavalascas might be able to last. He might be able to last all 12 rounds to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, I agree with you about about uh you know, about Kavalaskis pedigree. There's no doubt about it. And I think that if had you know, if he was on the other side of the street himself, I think he'd have a 50-50 fight with the likes of Danny Garcia. Um, you know, but you know, this is what he uh, you know, Crawford has and this is who he'll fight. Um but the big ticket item on this uh on this card is the IBF lightweight championship fight between Richard Comey and Teofimo Lopez, and Lopez is going for it. Um this fight is for the golden ticket to unify with um Division Kingpin uh Vasily Lomachenko. This is a real fight for Comey. I've had a lot of people ask me um on social media about you know my thoughts on this fight. This is a real test. Comey is a real deal tough guy. Um, Tiafimo Lopez's athleticism in this fight—I know we'll get more into this—you uh, know—as it approaches. His athleticism is superior to Comey's, but Comey is a grizzled veteran who's got big fight experience, and he's a tough dude. This is not going to be an easy fight for Lopez, and if Lopez is able to make a statement in this fight and say like "Stop Comey" around the fifth or sixth round of this fight. Uh, that's a big statement maker and that will make the Lomachenko fight all that more appetizing.
0: Oh yeah. I mean I don't think whoever wins, I don't think we we go wrong as a boxing fan with either Comey, Loma, or uh God damn it, Ken. Yeah. Yep. Or Lopez. Any of them. Lopez.
1: Jesus Christ, get a grip. <laughs> a little rusty. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Oh, that's all right, Vin. Um, Mick Conlon will be in action, so you know we'll get to see him dress up as a leprechaun, and um, you know he'll get his revenge against uh, Vladimir Nikitin.
0: Wow, well, the the act continues, huh?
1: And this is what happens, man, when you put a guy on a big fight card and and debut him to the world in his first fight. And then it's like, where do we go from here? Because you know Conlon's expectation is, hey, man, I was on I was on a, a big fight card, my first fight. Why am I fighting in a in a in a hotel conference room now, you know what I mean. Like, I can't. That ain't, I can't except, Conor McGregor here to walk me out. I mean, as far as a <laughs> Conor McGregor, he's selling whiskey now, man. Um, you know, this fight, it's okay. Grudge match, great. Uh, raise your hand out there, uh, boxing rant listeners, if you watched the Conlon versus Nikitin Olympic match. Okay, I'm hearing crickets. Yeah, uh, what are you hearing on your end? I can count uh,
0: them on one hand.
1: See, in this hot take world that we live in, be honest, listeners out there. Be honest. The only thing you remember about this was a snapshot picture that everybody had a hot take about with Conlon flicking off the the judges or referee or whoever he was flicking off. That's it. That that was Mick Conlon's ticket to top rank. That's what his. his, his that's what made him um, viable. Uh, dress him up like a leprechaun and throw him out there and have Conor McGregor walk him down the aisle because this guy was controversial then. They controversial.
0: They sold some tickets though, boy. I guarantee you them gates brought in some cash.
1: I just hope because I know I sound really negative about this man. It's not about Mick Conlon. It's just about the way that he's been handled so far, and it just they're making him seem like he's a sideshow attract attraction, which to me, in my experience as a boxing fan, tells me that he's not the real deal.
0: Yeah, I think it's pretty plain to see that there's a there's a ceiling with Conlon, and it's about been reached. Yeah, he he
1: will become a very notable opponent for the winner of the uh, Joet Gonzalez and Shakur Stevenson fight.
0: Would you agree? Yeah. Uh, there's a very good chance of that. Yes.
1: Okay. Um. And uh, then, uh, real quick, one more card. Uh, official Oscar Valdez and Carl Frampton will fight against nondescript opponents on the same card instead of fighting against one another, I would think for a promotional organization that is struggling to find opponents for one another, um, when you had two perfectly matched opponents on the same card, um, this could have been a big event. And instead, um, we're going to have to see two fighters, um, I guess, build themselves up to a fight that doesn't
0: need any buildup. Yeah. I mean, what, what is the point of we, we these guys are established pros. Okay. Do, do they really need to get used to fighting at a weight? That's four pounds heavier. I mean, is, is this for real? Like this needs to happen. I know they sign deals and they're multi-fight deals and these guys want to get paid. And I fucking, a guy get it. This is how boxing fucking works. You know, I'm not acting like I don't know how it works and give me what I want now. Damn it. It's, it's just, come on. Make the fucking fight. There's no, like nobody, nobody wants to watch that card, top rank. I'm not trying to fucking sound like an ass. I'm telling you that those fights are going to attract nobody. So what is the point? It it doesn't further build your brand. It doesn't do anything for either of the fighters. It probably costs more money than you're going to make. So what are we doing here? Are we running? It's like. You know, it's a fucking definition of insanity. It's like it's a failing business perspective to to do shit like that. Just make the fight that everybody wants to see. They can fight again. Nobody's going to hate the loser enough to say, I'll never watch those guys fight ever again.
1: (laughs) Chances are with the type of styles that both these guys guys have. It would make for a
0: great re- a, a, a great first fight and a great rematch yeah they'd probably run it back in five months so uh, who why, <laughs> who else are they gonna fight? No, that's what I don't understand here. It makes no sense
1: you know maybe one of them becomes an opponent for Lomachenko when he comes back down to hundred and thirty pounds. I mean who knows man i, I i'm I, i'm 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 reaching for shit right now. It's like it doesn't make sense. there's no reason for it. um it's two fighters that I really enjoy watching. I've been a huge fan. Of uh, Oscar Valdez and Carl Frampton for their entire careers, and uh, I don't need to see them in showcase fights.
0: No, no, and the winner will probably get a crack at Jamel Herring at some point. That's probably where the road leads. The winner will will fight Jamel. Okay, and that'll happen when? Two years from now? After it's gonna, you know,
1: when? Are, when are they going to fight each other in
0: June? Right, yeah, uh, we need a we need a uh, showcase fight for for each on you know the same card, so we can get. Get used to them again. We need to them reintroduced into our lives against shitty opponents. And then, and only then will we be ready for them to face off, Ken. Face
1: off on St. Patrick's day, March 17th, 2020 at the MSG Hulu theater with Mick Conlon, uh, carrying the pot of gold out to the ring.
0: (laughs) Jesus Christ. That would be great
1: though. (laughs) Uh, I don't know, man. Sometimes, uh, Sometimes they just serve it
0: up to you, you know what
1: I mean? It's just my job to spike it over the net.
0: As much as you try to stay positive about the sport, Ken, you know, Jesus Christ, boxing.
1: Hey, guess what, man? We spent the first 30 minutes plus of the show being damn positive. So take what you uh, can get. Yeah. If you made it this far into the show, you're degenerate anyways. If you've been listening for,
0: you know, as long as a lot of you have been listening, you know the deal.
1: Nothing fucking deal.
0: <laughs> oh, touche, man. That is the way to end the show.
1: All right, we appreciate all of you tuning in to episode 243 of the Boxing Rant Podcast. We will be back next week um, with a post fight from Bozdeck versus Viterbiev and much, much more. Be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spreaker, Spotify stitcher google podcast and of course the boxing rant youtube channel be sure to leave us a review on itunes we appreciate it follow us on twitter at vince cummings 81 and at kenny keith jr and drop by the website www.boxingpod.com that's boxingpod.com so until next week we appreciate all of you tuning in to episode 243 of the boxing rant podcast Muchas gracias, everybody.